0: We live in a day and age where there's a great deal of skepticism and even mistrust of people in places of leadership. It is not uncommon to see their motives, wisdom, and integrity called into question. People routinely complain and even protest and riot over decisions that are made by governmental leaders. The church is to be very different from the world. Our attitudes and our actions are to be dissimilar in virtually every way. The leaders in the church are to act differently than the leaders of the world do. We are to manifest a servant leadership. Jesus said in the book of Matthew these words, But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercised authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The scriptures teach us that we're to have a servant leadership. That is that we're To be serving not for our own benefit or profit, but for the benefit and profit of others. But not only is the leadership of the church to be different, so is the response of the people that are led to be different. This morning, we're going to focus on what should be the congregants, that is, the people of the congregation, what should their response be be to the elders. If you are not there, please turn with me to your bibles. We're actually using what is our call to worship this morning, Hebrews 13:17. Uh, just that one verse that we're going to look at to help us understand what relationship the congregants should have to the elders. Hebrews 13, 17. And the proposition is simple. Congregants are to follow the lead of the elders. Congregants are to follow the lead of the elders. Notice first the exhortation to follow the lead of the elders. Verse 17, Hebrews 13. Obey your leaders and submit to them. This phrase is quite an unusual phrase. For first of all, the word obey is not the typical word that uh, we find in the scriptures for the word obey. Uh, it is a word that actually means to be, be persuaded or convinced. To be, be persuaded or convinced. So the first thing that we learn is that we are to be persuaded or convinced of the leadership of our leaders. We need to be persuaded and convinced of them before they take the office of an elder. We're to take seriously what the Word of God says about the qualifications of an elder. 1 Timothy 3 reads as follows. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer or elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, Scriptures teach us that we are not to lay our hands suddenly on anyone. That is, that it is to be with a great deal of forethought, of uh, probation, of extreme care, before we have a person become an elder. There is to be an extreme vetting process, if you will, as we think about this endeavor we are to be thoroughly convinced that our elders are called of God to lead the church. As we think of our brother uh, Kevin this morning, uh, if you've been a part of the church for many years, uh, you will know our brother well, for he has served faithfully in our church for many, many years in a variety of capacities, everything from property maintenance to missions committee uh, to deacon to elder. Uh, He has served our church Well, and I believe that uh, all of us can say with great deal of confidence that we see God's hand upon him. We see those leadership abilities and uh, we see that uh, his faithfulness to the Lord and to the church. The second thing that I'd point out to you in our text is that the word elder is not used. If you look at verse 17, it says this. Obey your leaders. And submit to them. What is an elder to do? In verse 17. In this instance. The emphasis is that they lead or guide the church. So that the leader is the one that leads or guides the church. So then it is our responsibility as congregants to follow their leading. Notice verse 17, obey your leaders, and now these words, submit to them. The word that's translated as submit is found only here in the entire New Testament. There's not another place where this particular word is used. When we normally think of the word submit, like wives are to be submissive to their husbands, or the church is to be submissive uh, to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a military word. It's a word that means to be second in command. It's to place yourself under the authority of another individual. That's not the word that's used in our text. For the leadership in the church is not to be authoritarian in that sense. The word submit means to yield to or to give in to. It is the opposite to resist or to give a hard or difficult time. We are to follow our leaders in the direction or course that they are taking. A leader is one who who sets the direction. If we can think for a moment about uh, a mountain trip. Uh, It is common to hire a mountain guide, someone to take you up that precipice uh, to know the dangers, to know the areas where uh, you don't want to misstep, and uh, the uh, troop follows the leader. Children play, follow the leader. People are then to go in the direction that the leader lays out. In short, people are not to seek to go in a direction that is different from that which the leader establishes. Okay. The leader says, we're going to go this way. Well, we're not to say, no, 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 no. You don't want to go that way. You want to go this way. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. Uh, this road is much simpler. Uh, this is the path we ought to take through the mountain or it's not so rocky, or it's not so steep, or it's more pleasant, or it's more scenic. And everybody has their own path, everyone has their own way, everyone has their own agenda, everyone has their own thought of the direction that we should go. That is exactly opposite to what this passage is saying. This passage is saying that it's the responsibility of the leaders to lead, to set the direction. And it's the, responsible, uh, it's the re- responsibility then of those that are being led to simply follow that direction. To go in the way in which the elders are leading the church. So why should we listen to and follow the leaders in the church? Answer, because they have a God-given duty and responsibility. We're going to look at those two things separately. First, Because they have a God-given duty. Notice what it is in verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Here comes the answer. For they are keeping watch over your souls. That is the God-given duty of the leaders of the church. To watch over your souls. And there are a number of ideas associated with keeping watch. First and foremost, the emphasis is on being on guard in order to protect. We think of the shepherds that keep watch over their flocks by night, to stand on guard, to protect them, to keep them from harm, to keep them from wolves, and keep them from being stolen. Also to provide for them, to feed them, to watch over them, to... Give them water. In this particular instance, it is to care for the spiritual well-being of the church. That is, they are to watch for our souls. The primary responsibility of the leaders of the church is to look out for and care for the spiritual well-being of the church as a whole. And then the individuals that comprise it. To be doing those things, to promoting those things that are in the spiritual best interest of the people of God. Secondly, it has the connotation of sleeplessness associated with it. Uh, when we think of this word watch, uh, most often it's associated with watching at night. Like the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night in Luke chapter 2. Uh, I believe it carries with it the aspect of sleeplessness. It has the idea of alertness, but it also has the connotation of a grave responsibility. I can tell you that I am aware of elders that uh, will tell me that after a particular board meeting they didn't get any sleep that night. They go home and think about what was said, think about what was done, pray about it, uh, wrestle with it. Uh, They take this role with a tremendous amount of responsibility. They don't make these decisions flippantly in the life of the church, but uh, they do so even in a sleepless manner. Secondly, why are we to follow these leaders? Answer because they have a God-given responsibility. A God-given responsibility. They have a unique responsibility before God. And in that responsibility, it tells us that they are going to have to give account. Notice verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. They're going to have to give an account. The analogy is that of a shepherd. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter. Keep your finger here. We're coming back. But uh, just a few books later. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to start looking at verse 1. In 2 Peter chapter 5... Starting in verse 1, it says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now these words, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. The flock is God's flock, not their own. The church is God's church. It isn't the elders church. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Jesus is the head of the church. Elders are under shepherds. They are under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have no authority but the authority that Christ gives. An elder can't decide to do anything they want under the sun. The elder has, to, has the responsibility of applying uh, the word of God to Uh, each and every uh, situation that they are overseeing, that they are governing, and they must do so under the uh, recognition that they are under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice they are given oversight, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now notice how they are to do that. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over theirs in your charge but being examples to the flock so the primary method of leading is by being example by demonstrating a godly life and encouraging people even as Paul said be followers of me even as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ but notice now verse 4 And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That recognition of when the chief shepherd appears is talking about the accounting that the elder must give. Uh, Hebrews 13 17 just simply says an elder must give an account. The accounting of the elder is not to the congregation, the shepherd is not accountable to the sheep. The shepherd is accountable to the owner of the sheep. And in this instance, the elders are not accountable to the people. The people are accountable to the elders. And the elders are accountable to God. It is God who is going to make a determination as to the kind of ministry that the elders had the kind of leading that they uh, were given. It's a, it's a pretty uh, heady responsibility, just as James says, Be not many teachers, knowing that you are going to come under a uh, stricter judgment. It is the elders who entr- are entrusted with this responsibility. As I say, that the people, okay, do not. Stand before God and give account for the church. The elders stand before God and give account for the church. For the elders are the leaders. Therefore, they are the responsible ones. They have to make decisions. And we should follow their decisions. They are to make decisions that are in the best interest, spiritually, of the entire church, first and foremost, corporately, and then for the best interests of people individually. And many times people are not using that as their criteria for ascertaining what should be done in the life of the church. Many times it's more of what we like or don't like or, or what we wish would happen or not wish would happen, but... Sometimes it's not in view as to what is the spiritual well being of the entire congregation. But ultimately, that's not the point. What we are to see is now this final exhortation. Notice the words that come after who will have to give an account. It says, Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Here we learn that we're to respond to our leaders in such a way that they can give their accounting to God with joy. What does that mean? Let me approach it both positively and negatively. First, positively. The greatest joy of an elder is to see the Spirit of God at work. To see The fruitfulness of the ministry of the word and prayer. To see people's lives changed and preserved to the honor and glory of God. Keep your finger here and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to start with chapter 2. It says this 1 Thessalonians 2, starting with verse 19. In 1 Thessalonians 2 19, Paul writes, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Answer, Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Okay? The joy is seeing the many young people who have a desire to serve the Lord. I, I just think in, in our church, it, it just, it's just so great to see how many of our young people are taking very seriously. Their commitment to Lord Jesus Christ. That brings great joy. The ultimate purpose of the church is to teach others that they may teach others also. It's the passing from one generation to another. Faithfulness and adherence to the word of God. And to be able to see that brings great joy. To see that next generation being equipped and have opportunities to serve, to see people growing in their faith at all ages, of seeing people mature, making right and godly decisions, who are prayerfully supporting, financially supporting the life of the church. Those things bring great joy. It is great delight. It is what God is doing in the lives of the individual that make being an elder worthwhile. Scripture says they're not to be in it for the money. Well, they're not getting anything. Okay? They're not getting paid for this. It's a sacrifice of time, resources, energy. The joy Is the opportunity to serve people. Look with me at 1 uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Just turn over. 1 Thessalonians 3, now verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 3, 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly. And long to see us. We long to see you. For this reason brothers. In all our distress and affliction. We have been comforted about you. Through your faith. Paul is writing from prison. And Paul says. I am comforted. When I hear this report. That comes from you. The good news of your faith. And love. How you always remember us kindly and long to see us. Paul says that just brings delight. To think that the the people of God view us kindly, affectionately, appreciatively, brings joy to the heart of the elder. To think that their, their work is meaningful. Because people see the value in what they are doing. To see the profitableness of the decisions that are being made. But then, notice. Uh, excuse me. Moving on to verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians 3.8. For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord. Now we live. Okay, that doesn't mean in a, in a sense of. They're going to die if they are uh, not standing fast in the Lord. It, it it's mean, This is what life's all about. Okay? It couldn't get better than this. To hear that you're standing fast in the Lord. Thus, they can give a report with joy. Notice verse 9. For, with, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake... Before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. They say, as we give account, what joy we have, what thanksgiving we return to God for you, as we see the benefit. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it reads as follows. Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So there's the negative side. So, what's the example of that? The example is in the life of Moses. Moses was given a responsibility, he was to oversee the children of Israel, and he was to lead them to the promised land. The responsibility of the children of Israel were to follow that direction. To follow Moses, who was following God, who was following the cloudy pillar, the, uh, the, the cloud by day and the fiery pillar by night, but he was being led of God, and they were to follow Moses. But You don't have to be an Old Testament scholar to remember all the times that the people complained and groaned about where they were being led. They were in the desert. They were in places where there was no water. They were in places where there was no food. They were in places that were difficult. They were in places that were hard. And I don't have enough time this morning to read Passage after passage after passage where they're saying, Moses, why did you lead us here? Why did you bring us to this spot? We could go back. We could go back to Egypt where there are the leeks and there's the onions. And we could go a different way. And the people were upset. with Moses' leadership and where he was leading them. Moses found this to be extremely difficult. And in Numbers chapter 11, we read this. Just listen. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight That you lay the burden of all this people on me. Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom. As a nurse carries a nursing child. To the land that you swore to give their leaders. Their fathers. Listen to that. To carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child. To the land that you swore to give to their fathers. Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. I find, if I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wilderness. Moses couldn't give an account with joy. He couldn't rejoice in the decisions that the children of Israel were making. Ultimately, they rejected Moses' leadership and, of course, God's leadership and would not even enter the promised land. They wouldn't go to battle, they chose to go in another direction. It was difficult for Moses. But more than being difficult for Moses. It was to the spiritual ruin. Of the children of Israel. It was to their downfall. That they rejected Moses' leadership. And chose to go in another way. Notice the end of Hebrews 13.17. It says this. I'll read the whole verse again. Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. Let them be happy. (laughs) Let them be excited in their work as they give this account. Not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It's not to your spiritual benefit if the elders grow weary in being an elder. If they get frustrated and say, these people are so hard, so difficult, they're always finding fault, they're always wanting to go in a different direction, they're always looking at this and saying, well, why are you doing that, and why aren't you doing this? But it's not about the elders growing frustrated, and it's not about the elders growing weary. It's it's not in the best interest to go against leaders of the church. It's not to your spiritual benefit. And it's not to the church's spiritual benefit. And you can just look around you and and know of so many churches in the community that have just blown up. All All the splits and disharmony. And then you can look at families and see the toll that it takes on families. It's not To the spiritual benefit and well-being. To give your elders a hard time. But it is to your spiritual benefit and well-being. To believe and be persuaded, number one, that these leaders are there by the call of God. That's where it starts. Be persuaded. Be persuaded that these leaders are your leaders. Accept that. There are many safeguards. The Bible makes it clear that these aren't to be authoritarian people and so on. Uh, I'm looking at the one side. Okay, there's many safeguards telling leaders the kind of leaders they ought to be. We're just looking this morning at responding to the leaders. We're assuming that they are godly, concerned, spiritually mature, dedicated, faithful people. Okay? Then let them be your leaders. Let them be your leaders. Follow them, is this word to submit. Okay? When they set a course, when they set a direction, be willing to go in that direction. Be willing to go in that course. Why? Because they're keeping watch over your souls. They're not trying to do the most novel thing, the, the newest thing, the fanciest thing, the most exciting thing, the most appreciated thing. They're trying to do what is in the spiritual best interest of the life of the congregation. They have to give account to God. You don't. They do. God isn't going to, if you're not an elder, going to say to you, then why is your church this way? No, that's going to be put to the elders. That's pretty sobering. So keep in mind that they're going to have to give account for what they have done. May they be able to give account with joy. May they be able to say, what a delight it is. Okay, Lest this is ill-conceived, Okay, lest you understand that there is some hidden problem in the life of this church I am addressing. I have been here for 34 years. I am thankful for the opportunity to have served here for 34 years. I'm excited about our future. I can honestly say that I am joyful as I see the Spirit of God at work in the lives of people. If you just take a few moments and just look around and think Boy, you can see the Spirit of God moving. And people that have been raised up in this church. And not just those that are going into full-time service. And we have a lot of those. But you think of the faithful Sunday school teachers. You think of the mentors. You think of the workers. You look around here. You know, we're just not a bunch of gray-haired people. We have young people as well. What a joy it is. The future's bright. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way. Which is the final exhortation of verse 18. Notice Hebrews 13, 18. Pray for us. Pray for us. Now notice this statement. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience. Desiring to act honorably in all things. I believe... I believe that the Board of Elders has a clear conscience. I believe we're trying to act honorably in all things. I believe that we truly, down to a man, want to make decisions in light of what is in the best spiritual interest of our congregation as a whole and as as people, as individuals. I honestly believe that. I, I believe that's what's motivating every single person. On that board. So then, what's our response? Notice verse 18 pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray that that would continue. Pray that that would always be the heart and mind of the people on our board. Pray for wisdom. Pray for discretion. Pray for the decisions that are being made. That's the proper response. What should you do? If you sit and you wonder and say, is this really the right way to go? Well, you should follow and you should pray. Lord, if that's not the best way, reveal it to them. Help them to see it. And if it is the best way, let me be submissive to that. Let me accept it. Let me welcome it. Maybe even let me appreciate it. And their willingness to Step out and do some of the hard and difficult things. Whether the motives are right or wrong, the answer is prayer. Prayer. That's what's needed most. We set Kevin apart this morning through prayer. That's not just symbolism. That's essential. That's essential. Pray for us. Pray as a board. Pray for the pastors. Pastors are part of the board. Pastors are elders. But uh, we do a separate work in addition to the work of the of the board. We need prayer. We need prayer. And what we need most of all is to be servant leaders, not authoritarian. But Being the kind of people that others are persuaded of, people have confidence in. And having confidence in them, they're willing to follow. Uh, Pray for our church. I'm thankful we have a fine, strong Board of Elders. We have unity in the life of our church. May we never take it for granted. May we continue to pray. Thank you for your support. Uh, Thank you that you have been following the leading and direction of the church. And we're thankful that we haven't had to be authoritarian. But uh, you have willingly sought out uh, the leadership of the church. May God bless us. May God bless Kevin. May God bless the, the board in its entirety. And may God watch over us in our future. And we're grateful for the many, many young people that we can see with that potential of being future elders. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your work. Your word tells us that leaders in the church are your gift to the church. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the people that you have gifted to us. Individuals that you have raised up who are desirous of not bringing glory to themselves but to you. Who don't simply want their own way. But your way. Who lead in a congenial fashion. We thank you that we have a plurality of elders. We have many elders in our church. And we're thankful that we lead with consensus. That together. We decide. How we should go. And how we should conduct ourselves. I'm thankful oh God. That. This group of men work so well together and come to almost always unanimous conclusions on things. Thank you, Lord, for that unity. Thank you for that peace. Lord, I I do pray that you would help us to follow, submit. Uh, There are so many times in which, by human nature, we want to go a different way We think another course of action would be so much better, so much easier, so much more pleasure, whatever the case may be. Oh, Lord, give us a discipline to follow you and to learn the great spiritual lessons that you have intended us to learn, even through the hardships and difficulties, even as there was a reason that you led the children of Israel through the wilderness to places where there was no food and where there was no water. Lord, help us to believe that every step of the way, you are leading and directing your church, and there is a reason for why we are where we are. Help us to learn the lessons that we are to learn, the spiritual lessons of submitting to others to ultimately submit to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.